We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. This is Cheryl from Jajawarong Country. Well, hello, guys, gals and non-binary pals. Welcome to episode 167 of the Beyond 90 podcast. We also decided to take a break over the international weekend, but now the three of us are here to cover the latest in the wonderful world of women's football that's happened over the last fortnight. So this is Eric Subihano, as always, and joining me, as always, uh, Magella Card and Dale Roots. I think we'll start with you, Dale, because it's, uh, I think, a long weekend for all of us. So, Dale, uh, you've had a busy one, haven't you? I'm very tired. Um, yesterday was exorbitantly hot, mm-hmm. uh, and it's going to be hot again tomorrow. But mm-hmm. uh, this is the health. This is the hellscape of our own creation. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been busy. Been out in the garden. We are finally starting to see the fruits of our labour, if not actual fruits. But um, it has been a busy one at the Casa del Dale. Good to hear. And Madge, uh, how's the long when long weekend been treating you? Yeah, not too bad. I went out, the the Raw had their season launch uh, on Saturday, so went and checked that out, saw the new kit, which is always, you know, a fun part of being a fan, getting all those nice reveals and um, those sorts of bits and pieces and meeting a couple of new players. So, yeah, good weekend, apart from the other sporting results. Mm. Ah, yes, it it has been a a rough period for Brisbane sporting teams in general. Luckily, luckily the Matildas had all of my interest this season, so I wasn't too invested in the others, but yeah, still a bit disappointing. Yes. Uh, thank God for the Matildas. Uh, did yeah. I see a camo kit for the Raw? Yes. Yeah. It's kind uh, of um, a, a bit camo and and um, I really like the away kit. It's like a white pinstripe, uh, white mm. end with a, an orange pinstripe, which is quite nice. Very, very nice. Yeah, I've I've had a relaxing weekend. I'm so, so lucky with my apartment. It's well insulated. And by that, I mean, the other floors cop all the heat and I stay nice and cool. So I think I've gotten lucky with my living situation. But anyway, uh, episode 167 means cap 167. And uh, you'd say a universally popular player because cap 167 is Ellie Brush. Somehow only play two times for Australia once in 2009 and once in 2012. Uh, She was a great defender. Grassroots club was Western Malonglo. So she played for Canberra United, a brief stint at Western Sydney Wanderers. Also um, played for Sydney FC before returning to uh, finish up with Canberra United. Overseas spells at Avaldsness in Norway and Houston Dash in the United States. And if that wasn't enough, uh, she also played Australian rules football for GWS Giants. So I've linked to a nice article court titled life after football written by the inner sanctum but uh, ellie brush in a part in addition to all that very good in the media um i had the pleasure of interviewing her some years ago now for beyond 90 and she was uh, great and very well spoken as we all expect um uh, so yeah it won she should have gotten more caps it's just one of those things and i think because she is a canberran we'll start with dale uh just your thoughts on ellie brush please Ah. Uh. I mean, she's definitely, I've said this before, but she's on the Mount Brushmore of Cambria United. Mm-hmm. Um, she, I mean, yeah, founding captain from memory. She's a fantastic player, has been since, you know, the competition started. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been through the ups and downs. I think her taking time away for to play, uh, to play footy was obviously um, 
something that she wanted to do um, and something at which she excelled um, excelled at. She's, you know, studied during the period that she's been playing. Um, she's had basically, you know, she's she's 35 now, so she's been playing for basically a whole adult life. And, um, yeah, having only just, I believe, only just retired yep. uh, at the end of last season, she's full-time physiotherapist in Canberra. And, I mean, she's always been one of those players that I think any time that I've had, uh, any time that I've met the team, I've always had great interactions with Ellie. Mm-hmm. Um one of, I mean, I think in terms of players who didn't get enough uh, caps for the Matildas, I think that she was, again, just one of those players to whom, for whom maybe the level was just a step too high. Um, there are other players who are in similar kind of situations. You think of players like Teresa Polias mm-hmm. or um, even like Amy Harrison, who's still obviously kind mm-hmm. of kicking around in the league at the moment. But I, I think that in another lifetime she definitely probably makes you know 50 appearances um just she was just kept out by players two or three players who are you know more suited to the international game than she was but in terms of a-league uh defenders i mean she's got to be up there in the top five um in terms of her longevity and uh the quality that she she obviously showed when she was on the field yeah very well said dale uh Madge, uh, what's the what was the raw perspective, raw fans' perspective, early brush, or more specifically, trying to find a way past her? Oh, look, I mean, it's it's not even that she was a great defender. I think she was also uh, quite creative as well, and sort mm. of was re- really good at um, you know helping her teams attack out from the back. So she she was she because the first thing that comes to my mind isn't just like a stalwart defender it is it, it is sort of being a, a really well-rounded sort of player um so yeah or you know a threat sort of all over the field she could pop up for a, a goal now and again I think I'm not sure how many goals she's scored over her Dale career. Is a stat for this don't you highest scoring uh, defender she's the highest scoring defender in W League history that is yeah. correct so and yeah, on on that point that Dale was making around uh, the, the Matildas caps, so it was one of those things. Like, I think she was playing really well when she was, um, you know, playing for Sydney in, um, you know, sort of twenty nineteen to to twenty two, and um, but you know that sort of, uh, you know, injury sort of mm. really um, really getting in the way of of what may have been an opportunity for her to to get a few more caps in the Matildas. She she was sort of definitely in the frame. Um, with with her form at that time, so yeah, um, wonderful player, and that's the thing. It's it's one of those play one of those players that she's never been sort of one of my team players, uh, but every fan of a club that she's played for has absolutely adored her. So that I think that's uh, a one big takeaway that that I get from from Ellie that uh, she's very well loved in in every club that she goes to. Yeah, uh, it's it's hard not to love Ellie Brush given all that she's done. I think of her um, basically and her impact on Northern Tigers in NPL New South Wales. Uh, she joined them and they were just a newly promoted team trying to establish themselves, trying to um, avoid relegation. And then her impact, along with Savet Uzanla, who they they basically uh, played a big part in them becoming the NPL New South Wales powerhouse that they are now. And of course, that's in addition to all the other things that um, uh, Dale and Madge have already said i think such a a reliable defender um pretty uh pretty much like a brick wall at times good from the penalty spot you know most of the time as well so um and not the tallest player but pretty good in the air so yeah uh actually actually i'm not pretty good great in the air so yeah just um yeah 
one of those players you absolutely love to have on your team. And I'm sure we'll see Ellie Brush around, staying around football. Of course, Dale mentioned she's a physiotherapist and um, I, I imagine she'll be, she can be seen at McKellar Park um, in this yeah. upcoming season, I would have just, thought. Just had a look at her stats. 145 games, 23 goals, puts her level with Rosie Sutton in 23rd in terms of all-time mm-hmm. uh, League scorers, four penalties. Um, she scored more goals than uh, Hayley Rasso, Kylie Ledbrook, um, I mean, Hannah Wilkinson, although her, that's kind of unfair because she's only played in the league for two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but players like, you know, Chloe Legazzo, Amy Jackson, Mackenzie Hawksby that these are all players who who have scored fewer goals than her. And yes, obviously she's played nearly 150, nearly 150 appearances, but obviously she also had a fairly long period of time out with those two, I believe, two ACL injuries that yeah, she had one right. after the other. Yeah. Um. So yeah, again, as you say, um, yeah, a quality defender and and a and an attacking threat. Yep. Uh, done the net maths. That is a goal every 6.3 games. That's yeah. very handy. So you're good. Yep. Yeah. That's what. That's pretty much what you dream of as a coach some a defender not just a top quality defender but good for two or three goals every season good and... fantasy team player yeah yes yes <laughs> okay so we've got a lot to cover because uh yeah life got in the way of us recording last week but uh throwing it back to the junior tillies because they are through to the 2024 afc under 17 women's asian cup which will be in indonesia the hosts are joined by uh, the automatic qualifiers, uh, Japan, North Korea, and China. Those three uh, earning it by dint of their performance in the 2019 Under-17 Championships. But it's Australia, the Philippines, South Korea, and Thailand who uh, made it all the way through the qualifiers. And so, Madge, I think we'll start with you because there was uh, some definitely some, well, it's broader than Queensland interest, some Brisbane Raw interest um, uh, during that qualification tournament. Yeah, I managed to um get my VPN up and running uh, for the second half of the the first game against the Philippines, and it was like a bit of a shock to see that that they had gone down two uh, nil. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, very happy to see a couple of recent Brisbane Raw recruits and Grace Kalamu and uh, and Ruby Cuppet actually bring the team level, and then um, and then they just um, sort of finished the game uh, much stronger. So yeah. Great performance. I can't remember what the results in the other. I think they were both two fairly solid wins in the other two games as well. So, yeah, I'm 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 happy with what I saw from from our raw recruits. Definitely. Yeah, and uh, that was um I had the I had the amusing experience of um tuning in via the Philippines national team Facebook page, and I think someone was just streaming it on an iPad because it was definitely some <laughs> yeah, kind of handheld the, advice. The VPN the with the v, with the um <laughs> with the stream from from Vietnam was a little bit nicer. Yeah, it was. It was uh, yeah, I was like, hey, if it's okay for a national fan, I, I'm happy to share that to to Manly United socials. But it was yeah, that was um. It started off this uh, set of three games, three games on the 20th, 22nd, and 24th of September started off as an absolute disaster with the Philippines going 2-0 up inside 17 minutes. But I'm glad, yeah, they just, uh, they, they stuck to the game plan. That's what, what that's what I was able to see. And it actually got quite heated at times on in both technical areas. But um, yeah, uh, Australia came, uh, pulled through 6-2 in the end and then defeated Vietnam 2-1 and defeated Bangladesh 4-0. So a uh, bit of a scare, but you know, now they're into the uh, final tournament and it, it's great because um, it's 
been so long, I think, because of COVID and all the other things since um, the junior uh, our under 17s have last been at this stage. And of course, now they'll be playing off for the right to go to a World Cup and just looking to see how many teams make it. Of course, I haven't prepared. It will be three teams. Ah, yep. So uh, both finalists and the winner of the third, fourth place playoff, those they're the ones that'll go to the under 17 women's world cup and Dale, I just like, I just like throwing random questions at you from time to time. When was the last time we made an under 17 Asian cup? Do we have to go back to the Oceania days? We might have to. Yeah. 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 Uh, I can't remember us making, Yeah. I can't remember us making a, a an underage world cup in the women's. Yeah. Just um, apart. Yeah. And apart from um last year in Costa Rica with the under twenties and back in 2006 and i think yeah that actually might might be it for our time as an afc member which is um, hopefully something ray dow and the gang will look to improve but yeah it's uh how good and uh not just that but um australia under 23s i think we've spoken about how good it is to have an under 23 setup because that young matilda's two senior national team gap is very large uh they played scotland twice in italy over the um international window one of them we, we couldn't find the result although god bless alex lucas for trying his hardest to find a, a result of the first game but, but we just know they played scotland in the second one Polly doran came off the bench and scored the winning goal but yeah referring back to you match a couple of queenslanders in the starting lineup yeah happy to see that so um one of my faves winning heatley of course mm. so uh, great to see her getting getting some game time. Uh, and Caitlin Torpy, uh, you know, what, Caitlin's one of those players that I think an under twenty three is just perfect for. Mm. Um, maybe not quite knocking on getting in some of those senior Matilda squads, but just performing really great at uh, at dub level. And uh, so yeah, this is yeah, I, I love the under twenty three team. Um, you know, getting out and about and getting game time and and you know, really trying to bring up the level of, of, of that, that gap that we've got there. So yeah, very happy. Yeah. And, um, a lots of overseas based players, but you know, players like Alana Cherner uh, from Western United getting in as domestically based players. So good to see they've looked all over the world for that. And going back to the point you made Dale, well, there had to be a Cambria United alumnus in goal because all three of them had played mm. for Canberra United. Uh, your people and goalkeepers. You're, you yourself are a goalkeeper, so that must warm your heart. Yeah, I mean, there's not been a lot to write home about in terms of capital football this weekend, but this was, ah, definitely, yes. this was yes. definitely one of them. Um, <laughs> conceding two goals to the Philippines, definitely not in the script. Uh, also, going behind against Vietnam, not in the script. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, um, got a clean sheet in the end. It's, you know, they don't draw pictures on the score sheet and they're going... Moving on to the next, uh, moving on to the tournament. So, yeah, you know, I, I did look it up. Uh, we've never qualified for an under seventeen women's World Cup, and we've only qualified for that uh, that other one, uh, I believe, twice. Yeah. Um, in the under twenties. So yes, yeah. So it's yes. been a long time between drinks. Yeah, fingers crossed. Because um, the word out of it uh, from Ray Dow and others with the um under seventeen generations, they just seem to get 
keep getting better and better. People raved about the players mm. born in 03 and 04. So that's what Bradley Henry, Jamila Rankin, Jess Nash. Then the 05, 06 generation, they said, this is even better. So that's Mary Standish, Floody, Shea Holman, et cetera. Now this one, they say this is still, this is, it's the level's gone up again with uh, players like the ones Madge has mentioned. Also, Michaela Duong from uh, Football New South Wales Institute and a couple of others. So uh, if they could break that duck, I mean, we'd, we'd all be very, very happy. Now, what's next on the pod notes? Um, it, I, I wanted to cover this briefly, although it's more of an English issue than an Australian issue, although we're bound to have some uh, listeners with some interest in England. Ah, it's some... How do I put this? Unfortunate scenes after one of the Lionesses games, the England national team, with uh, some worrying, uh, a worrying sense of fan entitlement among large sections of the population. We've linked to it, but it's just, um, it's just Lioness, Lionesses fans chanting "Get off the bus" after the game because uh, people had their signs, uh, which is basically requesting players to give shirts, boots, whatever, and it's um, it's. It's there were also other tweets at the time of basically kids flooding the fence from the 80th minute onwards, blocking the view of everyone in in those uh, front couple of rows. And it's um yeah it's it's I think we've covered this before, but it's becoming an issue, a real problem in ish in England where it fan expectations now have to be um managed in some way. Um, but I don't know if anyone else has any takes on this, but I think I saw uh, a good a good tweet and I can't. Sorry. Yeah, so I can't remember who it was from, but it may have been Kieran Yap. Yeah. Um, but just pointing out that it's 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 a real downside to promoting women's teams and women's sport, salt like all really really heavily on that fan contact um, perspective. This is kind of this is seems like the um, the long the the end of of that path of that sort of uh building interest and and why people should be interested in, in following women's sport oh you can go and you can talk to the players and you can get a an autograph and you can get um they're, they're so much more approachable well yeah when there weren't as many people going to a game that that may have been the case but of course as women's sport has gotten more popular and, and the and the crowds are bigger it just becomes the, the expectation that that should be standard um, really needs to shift in the fans. And um, at the end of the day, you're there to be entertained entertained by the sport that they're playing, uh, and you're not entitled mm. to um, you're not entitled to more than what they're will, willing to give um, from a one on one interaction sort of. Uh, sort of view so I unfortunately I think it, we are starting to see it a bit in Australia as mm-hmm. well uh, I remember during the World Cup they were like people just going oh they're gonna do a fan signing like constantly and it's like they're in the middle of a World Cup um, yeah. just you know you've got to really pare back what your expectations are um, as, as a fan uh, and and the you know the time pools that 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 these big popular teams have on them that that yeah so it's something that I really dislike um seeing happening um in the game and um yeah just got to change that messaging around around support versus entitlement yeah yeah I tend to agree and I think further to that is uh there was as you say there was that complaint around people 
those complaints from fans, especially young fans who during the tournament here were, oh, you know, are they going to come to the fence? Like there was the same thing. There was that there was that those comments from Caroline Wilson on Offsiders where she was saying, oh, you know, they're not being made available to the to the public. Well, it's a they're in the middle of a World Cup. Like this is a home tournament, and it's the same kind of thing. It's the same kind of thing for this Nations League game or any of these Nations mm-hmm. League games. Like they're in the workplace. They're here to do a job. Like I understand that these are slightly different because it's a one-off and or it feels like a one-off and they're kind of few and far between. But it, I don't think that it's just up to like the FA. There has to be some kind of responsibility from the parents to just like say no. It's not. It's not that. It's not the be all and end all, like as you say, where we go to these games to be entertained by what's on the field. And like, not to toot my own horn, but like when I was walking, well, I remember walking back after the, I think it was after the Denmark game, mm-hmm. uh, I was just walking back into the press area to get a cup of tea, and I just walked past Caitlin Ford. And yeah, like yes, I'm there as a as mm-hmm. a as you know volunteer media, but like I'm not gonna be like, oh hey, can I have your shirt? Like. Like they're there to do a job. They're there. It's they're there in the workplace, and it's you kind of have the privilege, for want of a word, of being able to see that they're very good at what they do in the workplace. And I think yeah. that people just need to kind of relax when it comes to these things and just say, like, look, chill. Like, just it's all about. We just need to kind of take a step down from these people are here as like as public as public figures for you to just kind of have and do what you will with and to spend their time as as you will like no they've got to get on the bus they've got to as you said get on the bus you've got to go do recovery you've got to go have a sleep you go and get your your massage or your your ice bath or whatever they do as professionals mm-hmm. and then they've got another game on saturday like yes it it ha- i understand that it happens in the men's game in that you kind of have fans like going to the premier league for example and lining up an hour and a half before the game mm. so that they can go get something when the fans walk in, when the players walk in. But there's a difference between that and then crowding the fence or waiting after the game or like, as you said, like chanting at the bus is just, it's just so undignified. And it's, you know, it, I hate that that's what this has become is this kind of, as you say, this, this lack of um, class, I think is like the one thing that I think that the women's players have always shown is class is that they will do whatever they can to help fans to feel connected to them. But like, you have to kind of show that class in that respect in return, because otherwise that respect won't be shown to you. You have to earn that respect as a fan in a sense. I know they're only kids, but sometimes I'm not in favor of beating children, but sometimes you just need to clip them around the head and say, you know, wind your neck in. And I'm gonna I'm gonna sound like an old woman yelling at a at a cloud, but it feels like um, social media, where every fun interaction that does mm. happen on a fence gets gets amplified to mm. the nth degree. So I'm like I'm thinking during the World Cup, there was that that woman who got the the Sam Kerr mm-hmm. um, interaction, which just yeah. blew up, and it's like, well, not every person in the stadium can get that, and yeah, yeah it just yeah, you just got to pair back those expectations. She's only and... got like one pair of boots. She's only got one shirt. She's only, you know, she's only going to walk off once. She's not going to come around and like this isn't this isn't a meet and greet. No. Yeah. This is a tournament, and it's the same thing with the Nations League game. Like they, these are these are not. We're not here for an open training session. We're not here for like this is competitive football, and if you want to get an autograph you go to the open training session if they allow you to have one or you, you know, hope that you can see them before the match. But like, you know, as I said, just got to have a bit more respect for these people. 
And, and just if anybody comes into my workplace and asks for an autograph, it's going to be, <laughs> I'm going to throw hands. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be reading whatever the, I think the terms and conditions are on that. Yeah, yeah. That you're putting under my face. <laughs> exactly. I'll be yeah. very angry. And uh, yeah, it's, um, by the way, I think I found the tweet you're referring to, Molly. Oh, sorry, um, Madge. It was from Molly Hudson okay. about this is what happens when you market it. So if you refresh your refresh your um, pod notes, I think I think I found the tweet you're talking about. Right. And so Molly Hudson does a great job um, covering football in England. Uh, yeah, it's just um, I hope it doesn't uh, get that way in Australia because um, if that's the level of expectation on players that are not quite full time in Australia, then it's mm. it's not going to be a uh, very pretty scenes. But we hope common sense will prevail. Now, of course, because uh, we we haven't been recorded for two weeks, so plenty of dub signings trickling in. I mean, no point, um, no point uh, hiding the big news. Kai Simon back to Central Coast Mariners, and they have been busy. Emily Husband has been busy finalizing that squad. So a couple of visa signings, Faye Bryson from England and Wuri Gamula from China. And then she's gone actually to a player match might know about, Tiana Karambasis from Lions FC and Chloe Carmichael uh, from Nepean FC in the New South Wales second division. So she's gone all over the place, but Mariners look like they've more or less finalized that squad. And also um, before I forget, um, they are hosting a family day on Saturday at Central Coast Stadium. So just check out their socials and the website for details on that. But um, so meet it at like what, what we were talking about, a proper meet and greet for their men's team. And then the women's team are playing Wellington Phoenix. So on the Saturday. So uh, if you're in the area, get down it's to a that. great idea. Yeah. And uh, yes, I think I may be traveling up the motorway for that uh, game, uh, Mariners versus Phoenix. But See, of course, I mean, Kai Summing coming back. Big news, massive news for the dub. Hopefully, her, she's 100% fit and firing and ready to go from round one because I think, I don't know what the story was with the World Cup. Uh, just she was selected and then no chance really of getting yeah. on the field. So, yeah, just, I don't know. Maybe maybe things didn't quite work out between in terms of the as Obviously, she continued to rehab. Um, oh, yes. Oh, we, we have to shout this out. Um, Melissa Barbieri going around for yet another season at the age of 43. Um, incredible. And uh, yeah, the, um, the, the, great, uh, the great mother of the dub is back for one more season. And <laughs> so she's, such a, she's such an on-field mom. And uh, Taylor Otto uh, as well. The American has been signed by Melbourne City. Oh, yeah. Emily Gilnick has returned to Melbourne Victory. So potentially a bit disappointing for Madge, who might have hope, held out some hope that she'd go to the Raw. I'm used to it now. Ah, you're used to it. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. <laughs> I, yes. I'm used to the Melbourne Exodus. Yeah, that's uh, that, that, yeah, that's. Uh, but yeah, some some good news for you. Uh, Tegan Thompson signed, announced by Brisbane Raw, which is yeah, uh, Lions player. She played. Um, uh, I'm not sure how many games she played last season, but she was uh, an injury replacement last season for the Raw. Uh, and I, I thought she was really really great in the in the couple of appearances she had. She has famously scored uh, six in a game in the MPL in Queensland once. So. Um, yes. Can when she bombs upfield, can is capable of putting them away. So yeah, great signing, and yeah, excited to have her on the team. And what else is there? Oh yeah, thanks Dale for pointing this out to me off mic. Tash prior to the Jets, so it was um 
yeah, of course we. I think we we'd rather forget that awful injury she had while she was with Canberra, but mm. she's been going great for RPL Leichhardt in NPL New South Wales. So um, Jets have actually signed quite a, a few RPL Leichhardt players, although oddly enough, nobody has signed the Golden Boot and Player of the Year, Ashley Croft. So a big, I I am very very sad about this. And of course, we got all the signings we noticed in the pod notes, but uh, something that tickled my fancy was uh, a Westie. Someone from Western Sydney going to the Glory and someone from Western Australia going to the Wanderers. So Ishia Brooking, who's been raved about over there, has signed her first dub contract with the Wanderers and not Perth Glory, while Annika Stajic, obviously Alan's daughter, has gone to Perth Glory, which I suppose is to be expected. And also, we've linked to the squad numbers for Sydney FC and Perth Glory, should anyone wish to get a customized jersey, because we love custom jerseys on Beyond 90. Um, One more thing. I don't know, I mean... Don't know if you have any particular takes on your Cambria United Dale beating the Wanderers on penalties in Forbes, but I suppose just a preseason hit out, nothing more. Uh yeah. No, we don't read too much into it. Yeah. Doesn't matter until there's points on the board. Yeah. Although just um, good to see that they're running around. It's good to see yeah. that they're, you know, yeah. getting properly getting into the preseason and I mean we're only what, two weeks, two, three weeks away from the season kicking off properly. So Yeah. Yeah, Raw, times. Raw played a um a game, a preseason game against uh, an NPL select team, um, and that, yeah, it's still a bunch of what I presume were trialists for yeah. potentially the the, the last couple mm-hmm. slots in the squad. Um, so yeah, um, still haven't seen Tamika uh, Yellop back and around the squad mm-hmm. yet. So um, she's obviously still taking some rest and relaxation following um, the World Cup. So, so it'll be exciting when she's back in and around the squad as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, in terms of yeah, trialists. So I know Sydney FC played the Jets as well, and um, it was funny reading that match report where obviously um, Sydney FC media team under clear instructions because there is a paragraph at the bottom which says a trialist came on in the second half, so keep, <laughs> keeping everything under wraps. But even though, so maybe uh, one more sport that Arthur Yurich is deciding on, but up uh, um. Also, Canberra uh, providing the intrigue because they did uh, publish a post-game photo after the penalty win over the Wanderers. Uh, not everyone in that photo was announced. So no, it was, it's... I was why well, I, I knew Tegan Thompson had signed for the Raw because she was in the training photo. That yes, so that, that's 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 a tip for for new listeners. Mm. Always troll those yes um, early preseason training yes. photos. There, yeah, it has some. Um, it has. Well, I mean, there were because I've uh, a lot of those players were so young from the Canberra photo. I was. We were all kind of like, I have no idea who any of these people are. Yeah. I'm seeing these people completely out of context. And also, after like 90 minutes of running around, yeah. and I don't have any idea what the number they're wearing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah, yes. it was a bit. It was a bit all over the shop. But Actually, on on the trial games as well, um, Raw opened up that that trial game um to the public and I, I i really feel like the dub is probably going to go it, it's going to go off the season there's been so many membership um numbers go um mm. go really well across many teams this season but even just for that uh open trial game um out of Rochdale rovers it was like a packed stand so um great to see the interest is is definitely there and um and extending into the uh, a-league women's season so exciting times i think i think we're gonna have some great crowds yeah uh yeah can't wait uh for the uh round one which um sydney fc versus the wanderers well i mean i 
I have strong thoughts about having derbies in round one. Basically, don't do it. That they they sh- round one is exciting of its in and of itself, but they've decided to put two derbies on the opening day and they clash. So, you, so we can't. So you have to pick and choose between Mariners versus Jets and Sydney FC versus Wanderers. I'll be going to Allianz Stadium for Sydney versus the Wanderers. So I assume I'll see you there, Dale. Uh, yeah, but, I'll be there. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think I, I could match this point. I think there's the buzz and the excitement, news of memberships being of membership records being broken. It's all uh, positive signs. Um, Australian football does have a tendency to uh, break break the hearts of people that get invested, but I am cautiously positive. Also there, back to that point about possibly for newer women's football fans uh, and to what Madge said about paying attention to club social media. Yep. There's a reason all the longtime women's football fans are good at stalking because of the tent, the um, shall we say the slow nature of news and things mm. such as player announcements trickling out. That's why we're all like Hawks at about this. Well, just in generally speaking, but especially in the preseason period. Now um, we do not, we do not have the time to explain the UEFA Women's National League, and I don't have the intelligence to explain it, but for the curious in the pod notes, I've linked to an explanation of the very, very complicated rules. The very broad um, the very broad explanation is um, the women's national teams in Europe have been split into three tiers, League A, League B, and League C. Then the each of those leagues split into subgroups, and there's promotion and relegation between A and B and between B and C. So um, if you have a favorite European national team, I've got all the results from the recent national window in there for you to peruse. And I do want to shout out um, that Ireland's, uh, sorry, I've got to be more specific. The Republic of Ireland's promotion campaign is starting well with uh, wins over Northern Ireland and Hungary. And also, so as they look to get promoted from League B, also shout out to Malta in League C who've um, won their opening two games. So yes, uh, perhaps myself and friend of the pod, Megan, things are looking good for our countries at this point. Also not quite so good for England. Uh, Yep, they started with a win over Scotland, but then they lost to the Netherlands. And just to explain very briefly in League A, they are all... Those 16 teams are playing for a whole two Olympic spots for the Paris Olympics. Yeah. So, yeah, there's some big nations going to miss out. So, yeah. So, yeah, you can uh, click the link in the pod notes to explain how that all to find out how, how that works or works if you don't already know. But is, I did notice that Germany finally wore their nice kit. Oh, they wore the nice yes, kit. So, they yeah, did. That, that is a good point. <laughs> but they still lost. They, yes. Mm. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. I'm glad you pointed that out because um, yeah, it does feel like I've worn that nice kit more than Germany have, which is not yeah. really the not really the point of the kit, even though it is very nice. They're um <laughs> they're not very good at the moment, Germany. Yes, just for the record, yeah, so... they did beat Iceland four 0 but that's you know battle battle of the tallest dwarfs really. Um, I will also mention that uh, it's nice that France are playing in this Nations League, just like harassing teams, even though they're already qualified for the Olympics. <laughs> yes, it's like oh, I just kind of make other people's lives difficult. <laughs> so. So extremely um, French energy. <laughs> yep. So um so basically, um if they make the final, does that mean they have to rejig the qualification for the Olympics? Because yeah. they'd have to make they'd have to create a third, fourth place playoff. The third, be... fourth playoff would, would be yeah. the would uh, be the uh, would be the winner. So just like the twenty twenty two Asian Cup where um Australia got knocked out in the quarters and then they had to restructure the uh World Cup qualifiers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I must say, and I I think there's been a little bit of chatter going around, um, especially from the clubs, about the workload for a lot of players. Mm -hmm. It does, it does feel like just looking at it, I'm exhausted. Like imagining being a a player having come from a a tough World Cup uh, into now, you know, preseason with their clubs, and then um, and then now these sorts of you know important games for yeah qualifying for a, a big tournament. So it is um. UEFA, it's 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 so big that uh, it's probably difficult for them to to get away from the amount of games and competitive and important games that they need to play uh, yeah. for all of these tournaments. But um, yeah, it's I, I can certainly appreciate the the workload yeah. issues that some teams are having. And, yeah. and as you say, not even like the big teams. Like you've got you know kind of top tier nations who are playing 40, 50 games a season, mm-hmm. as you say, coming off the back of a World Cup. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. But they're going to go and be like looked after by full time physios and have dietitians and you know that. But as you say, if you're like you know Malta or Estonia or mm. Israel or any of those smaller nations, you've still got to back up, fly, go and play these games, and you've got to go back to like work. Um, yeah. And I know obviously it's an immense privilege to play play for your country, but like you've got this, you've got the Nations League. You've got so you've got the Nations League, you've got the European qualifiers, uh, you've got national, uh, like d- domestic leagues, you've got mm-hmm. potentially European mm-hmm. football. Um, like this has obviously been a problem that's been talked about in men's football for ages, but it's the you know, the, but those those blokes are paid very handsomely and are all full time professional athletes, whereas mm-hmm. these guys, these uh, these women are like you know, posties and surgeons and you know have actual jobs. So you hope that they're as, I mean, whether it's as simple as you have a larger squad for tournaments or you have a 50 player pool that you can pick for for tournaments or whatever, then yeah, I think that it is something that, that worries you, especially with the kind of, you have all this news about ACLs and mm. long-term soft tissue injuries and player burnout and mental health. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's tough to, to, to kind of, even for us, just to keep on top of all of it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so um, also, uh, you know, for uh, kind of the newer fans, the the point of the Nations League is to have countries playing other countries of roughly the same strength. I mean, I do compare to men's football from time to time, but I think of basically all the shellackings that San Marino have got in their history. Just kind of people have asked, what's the point? Well, the idea is, well, let's have nations playing other nations of roughly equal strength. And that's just, that's helps development of all the teams involved. Mm. So but then I was now thinking the Dales reminded me of uh, a problem with women's football is it's not necessarily the best thing to just mirror what the men are doing because the mm. men's, men's nation league has been around for a, f- a few years now. And there's a few things like uh, a lot of things that Dale has said. Also, um, the WSL teams are great starting 11s, but I think the WSL teams in England don't have with possibly the exception of Chelsea, don't have squads as deep as their male counterparts in England? No. So, no. Yeah. Like 20 so, or 25 players at most. Yes. So then um, when you have these top players overloaded, such as, you know, all the stars playing in the WSL, it does, yeah, it does um, yeah, stretch the club squads very quickly if you get a couple of injuries or if you have the... Uh, in some ways, the nightmare season that Arsenal had last time out with mm-hmm. four ACLs, I think it was. Yep. Yikes! So, and, yeah, and, thinking, so... and thinking for those individual players, where maybe their 
the star player in the national team, mm-hmm. like in those smaller national teams. Yes. So, um, you know, they may have you know, broken through to be playing in, in a great mm. top level league, uh, but there's always that pressure to mm. do every single international game because you're yep. the star of that team. Big so time. it's, yes. um, yeah, yeah, it's tough for those players. Yep. Uh, I do like the point that you're making, Eric, about teams, nation, national teams having to play those kind of of similar strength mm-hmm. and you see that this week in germany population 83 and a half million people playing iceland population 300,000 yes. uh, so as you say maybe not necessarily always best to mirror what the men do <laughs> well but well done to iceland for being exactly. in league exactly yes it is what that is what we're yes you're exactly right <laughs> scotland are there as well so yeah. you know, uh, make of yeah. that what you will yes and um <laughs> And uh, World Cup participants Ireland are in League B because, like, mm. from memory, they took it off the FIFA rankings, but not the most recent one. Yes. So, uh, and uh, I do have a, I do have a friend that is rather miffed at the way this has been done and the way I, Republic of Ireland are in the second tier, but at least uh, they are winning games. And yeah, I think Madge's point, uh, Madge's point about the star player being expected to travel. Uh, to play for them. Katie National McCabe team. is exactly who I was thinking. Katie of. McCabe yeah. and um, speak. Yep, Katie. I I think about Katie McCabe a lot. So <laughs> and but also, it I I was reminded because of your point. Not all Europeans play in Europe, and I am also thinking of Denise O'Sullivan right now, yes. who yeah, has playing all those games point. for Ireland while also playing for North Carolina Courage in the USA. She travels mm. a lot. So, but. A, apparently the way she gets around it is like she she understands that sleep is the key to recovery and basically she is training eating having a coffee or sleeping that is does she have those glasses like the socceroos did when they came back from honduras (laughs) that is what we need to see we need those blue light glasses glasses to to, uh make sure your body clock is where it needs to to make for whatever you're going to need to be in the correct circadian rhythm yes Ah, oh, that's some. Maybe that's the next um project for North Carolina Courage and um the Football Association of Ireland. But yes, UEFA Women's National League. It's um, it's very comp. I think it's. I like the idea, but maybe it needs a rejigging in terms of player workload for all the things we've just mentioned. But speaking of player workload, yep. Uh, the FAWSL has started, and I think firstly, shout out to Charlie Rule, who uh, I think very. We all have very recent memories of her playing NPL New South Wales, or if you're me, her playing in the Futsal Premier League for Mascot Vipers. But um, yeah, she made her WSL debut. Good on her. Um, hopefully Mackenzie Hawksbeak um, can follow likewise very soon. Uh, she didn't get off the bench, but uh, it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, you, you weren't, Dale, you weren't even allowed to have the hope for one game because Everton have already lost and, uh, <laughs> The less said about the, the club is goals, absolutely the in the sh- in shambles at the moment. So to have only lost two one, I think, was the positive of the weekend. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as you said, um, yeah, more highlights than lowlights came out of that game. I think yeah. from a from a kind of holistic perspective, yeah. um, are they playing Charlie Rule as a fullback or are they playing her up front or yeah i think it's i mean she's very she's very durable and pretty uh she's got a bit of variety to her game so i mean she's got that a bit of that kind of alana kennedy late up front if need be as well so (laughs) yes um, there is that possibility but yeah good good to good to see she's only she's still only what like born in 2003 so yeah i was gonna say 20 yeah so um yeah good good result for them not not so much for me yeah and uh, perhaps that's the perhaps that's karma for 
having Claire Wheeler on the bench. We we yeah. don't like we don't like it when Claire Wheeler's on the bench. No, so, we don't. Uh, boo to that team selection. Uh Manchester United did it the difficult way against Villa. Um so Villa had uh, a player sent off and then immediately scored to take the lead. But you know, Rachel Williams uh, saved the day for Manchester United. Arsenal, uh, speaking of disappointment, um, yeah, that's it was their big day at the Emirates Stadium and they lost 1-0 to Liverpool. But the Missy Bokerns cutback, apologies, I've forgotten who actually scored, but check it out if you can. Uh, just a cutback that threads the needle between three players. It's right on the money for a teammate. Uh, Leicester City, who were awful at the start of last season, uh, have defeated newly promoted uh, Bristol City. So Remy Simpson's got a little injury. She won't, she'll be out uh, for a couple of weeks, I think, but Courtney Nevin played. And also shout out to Shannon O'Brien, who scored one of Leicester's goals. She was player of the year in 21-22, then was bizarrely underappreciated the next season, barely got on the field, and then she started and scored. So yeah, like, there you go, Leicester. People who win your player of the award, they're good players. Keep that in mind. And uh, uh, Sam Kerr's Chelsea beats uh, Spurs 2-1, but Sam Kerr, I think, rested. She's had a busy time, I think, involving some kind of engagement as well yes or we don't, we don't know yes 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 okay yeah so yeah i think probably the only other thing that i mean I, I didn't watch anything but i was a little bit disappointed not to see tegan micah um yes in oh, that's right the, it was um oh, so rachel laws that's amazing. i really hope that well i'm mean, you know competition is always a great thing for goalkeepers but i hope there's no injury there and yeah. but yeah i think we all want to see tegan getting lots of game time yeah mm. And I just uh, might as well do the final one. Uh, Mackenzie Arnold, first game as West Ham captain, uh, but they lost 2-0 to Manchester City. So, uh, well, um, Manchester City starting a season properly for once. Hasn't happened too much in recent times. Uh, of course, we've got all the Aussies abroad we could find, but um, yeah, we're going to have to wait for Sarah Hunter and Claire Hunt to make their debuts for Paris FC and PSG, respectively. Ah, Dale, the, the French didn't mess around with the scheduling. PSG versus Lyon in round one. Um well, you know, yeah. it's good that they have not listened to your advice and not and put a derby in the first round. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I am slightly disappointed that uh, Claire didn't, didn't make a didn't make an appearance, yep. but not particularly surprised by the result in that game. Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure that the other game because Paris played. Fleury. Uh, Paris, yeah, Paris played Fleury, which I feel like might be a derby as well, but I have also been known to be wrong. Um, look at me. We're doing research. Diddly did. I mean, it's pretty close. Yeah, it's in, it's in the Ile de France. So, yeah, that's a, that's a local derby as well, Paris FC versus Fleury, um, because Paris FC used to be FC GVC. Um who were who they though they have a very similar uh those two teams have very similar things in that they their men's team is way, way, way down the pyramid. Um I know Paris have is in the second division, but Juvisees is in like the eighth tier of French football from memory. Um which is which is cool. We like that. Yeah. And uh, so it's be it's kinda like Lewis FC, second tier in England and for the women and the men's team. Uh, yeah, is... and the men are also like exist. The tier of... Yeah, yes, I'm Yes, they are footballers as well. Yes. <laughs> Um. Oh, and um, Haley Rasso started for Real Madrid. Lots of people on Twitter saying, "Oh, Haley Rasso started a club game." And um, <laughs> pe- people people have stopped disguising um the shots that they're taking at Gareth Taylor, the Man City coach. I think, which yeah, but but you know, mm. 
uh, we'll also mention over. from those uh, those games in the FAWSL, Aston Villa forced to wear their uh, home shirt, which has been an absolute debacle this season. Mm. Uh, if you've been following the men's Oh, yes, league, I've seen a photo, yeah. Basically, um... they are just wearing, like, uh, wet plastic bags, um, yeah. and the shirts are, even after, like, five minutes, the players... The, the fabric is completely saturated. So mm. it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. There was talk that Villa were going to play in training shirts because they haven't had the same problem. Um, but yeah, they were forced, uh, the FA forced them to play in their home shirts. Um, and I, I'm not saying that it contributed to the result, but it's going to be something that um, the players, or both men's and women's team, have voiced pretty severe um, displeasure with being forced to play in these jerseys. Yeah, it um, just, it looked, the jersey looks silly. Like it looks yeah. players look like someone's chucked a bu- bucket of water on them. Like, yeah. yeah. It's like um Yeah, they look like art projects. Like uh, they are they they're something that you'd use to practice sculpting cloth, sculpting cloth. Mm-hmm. Like there's no need for the jersey to, to look like that. It's just ridiculous. And I, the the manufacturers need, you know, a bit of kick up the ass to be honest. Hey, they do. I mean you'd think they'd get something this basic correct by now uh well no yeah who can say you would think they're not doing their um their future sales and partnerships um no much good because the company that makes them makes functional shirts (laughs) yeah they they made um they had uh, a partnership with newcastle united and newcastle um basically binned them because their shirts were just hideous and they couldn't get the quality control right and they couldn't get the stuff sold on time and now they're being made by Adidas. So um, I don't think that we're too far from seeing that. And it's a British oh, brand. It's not like... It's Castoria, like, yeah. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're made just down the road. So it's obviously a terrible look for the brand, but, you know, yeah. just like... I could go to Uniqlo and get a, a functional maroon shirt that would do the same thing. Can't be that hard. That uh, So um, speaking of Castoria's uh, quality control reminds me of... The- the joke I heard because Ireland switched to Castori and then they also changed their logo. And on the mm. logo, the shamrock isn't straight. So someone said Ireland have played a blinder by by not putting the shamrock on straight on yeah. their badge because Castori wouldn't have put the logo straight anyway. 100%. So, <laughs> but I mean, for what it's worth, my Castori Ireland jersey is okay for now, I think. Yeah. But I've give it give it a couple of washes and we'll see. Yeah, how yeah, it goes. It, yeah we'll see. Um <laughs> But on to our beloved Nordic um, uh, leagues. Yeah, for, for kind of newer people to be on 90, we, we uh, myself and Stefan, we do like uh, covering all the Aussies playing in the Nordic competitions, kind of non-English speaking countries and kind of hard to find information, but we do collate that all for you. So uh, no games in Norway, but we have Sweden and Denmark there for you. Uh, so Vitso with the trio of uh, Claire Polke on Katrina Gori and Charlie Grant. Winning two one over Lin Shopping, uh, featuring Lost Aussie Angie Beard, and then um, yeah, ah yes, be, ah yes, um, another example of in Denmark of Winona Heatley starting and you winning. So Nordland defeated Bronby three nil, good to see, and then uh, but unfortunately, AGF uh, featuring Matilda McMahon and Ali Green, they lost two four to HB Koya, who had um a lo- Koya had Lost Aussie Deborah and Elharp coming off the bench. Uh, Matilda McNamara started. Ali Green not selected, probably because she was coming back from Chile after New Zealand's two-game series against Chile. But briefly, uh, just I think before we get on to Queens, Kings, and Emperors of the week, um, keep an eye out for Stefan's 
a wrap of the Capital Football. Oh wait, has that already gone out? Well, that's already gone out. That yeah, was, yeah, yeah. That's last yeah. week. Okay, so put yeah, that's on our website if you haven't seen it already. But yeah, basically a seven goal thriller, Canberra Olympic defeating Belconnen United mm. by four goals to three. And so that's the double for uh, Premiership Championship, double for Canberra Olympic. Stephens uh, put a note in, Olympics two grand final wins in the last two seasons are a testament to the quality of their recruiting prior to the start of the 2022 season. So my somewhat snarky spin on that is, this is what Canberra Olympic did. Who's the best team at the moment? Belconnen United. How about we sign all of what their players? What if we take all of their players? Yes. yes. <laughs> and look, hey, they've hey. got three trophies. So, got- you know. And question uh, the method. And uh, beating Belconnet in United in the final and, you know, perhaps in a sense, rubbing it in their faces. Uh, mm-hmm. That's um, <laughs> it, 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 I, I should move on before we start some kind of incident. Uh, but Queens, Kings and Emperors of the Week. Uh, Match, you can go first. Yeah, I, I think you alluded to it before, but I just think it's fantastic to see uh, Mackenzie <clears throat> Arnold be rewarded for fantastic performances uh with i'm assuming matilda's as, as well as west, west ham being being made the um, west ham captain so what an honor and she's been with west ham for oh, three four seasons now um so yep she's clearly uh a part of the furniture there and and being bespoke um be, bestowed a um a great honor there Yep, and uh, yeah, a couple of seasons, including one bizarre game where she played as a midfielder. That's right. <laughs> I remember yes. that. That and was that... very strange. We're, we're usually <laughs> but... excited about the opposite when an outfielder goes into goal, but they forgot about that. Yeah, that's I would right. say that that is that is the most exciting outcome. Yeah. Is a goalkeeper play. Remember David James played in the outfield. <laughs> yeah, they once. chucked him up front because they, they needed a goal. Yeah, Man City they, needed a goal to qualify for you. They needed yeah. a play. Yeah, they had to go and get his shirt made from the club shop. What a, yes. what a wild life. <laughs> But yeah. like, and um, I mean, there's, it's a bit sad because she was named as an outfielder and they had the kit named. By the way, that's a collector's item, a West Ham outfield kit with Arnold one on the and the number yeah. one on the back. But they actually were so short of plays, they needed her to do that, which was, mm. but also well, that ends well. But yeah, um, yeah, they are. It's, it's not often that Aussies are named captains of overseas clubs, at least to my memory. They generally like it for obvious reasons to be someone who's a local come up through the youth system. So mm-hmm. well done to Mackenzie. Yeah, and, I think we were yeah. saying that she's the first Australian to captain in the English top flight since Mila Yadnak. I, as a regular captain? Yeah. I, I, I assume so. I don't... Yeah, because I think Catley has captained yeah. uh, I... on and off, but she's never, my understanding is she's not been named club yeah. captain. Yeah. Um. So yeah, um, I don't have a queen of the week. Um, my joker of the week is capital football. Uh, we will talk about this more later when more news comes out. Yeah. Um, when we have Stefan running off the back fence, um, yep. he is at a family engagement tonight. Um, but we, uh, if if there was something beyond shooting yourself in the foot. That's what is happening. Basically, for those who aren't aware, Capital Football runs both the national, uh, the, the the NPL in, and all the state leagues in Canberra and the surrounding region. And they also run Canberra United, the club. Therefore, they run the Canberra United Academy. Basically, my reading of the situation is that the clubs who make up a good portion of the kind of power base, for want of a word, mm-hmm. um, have... Uh, said that they don't want an academy anymore. I can't say whether it's a money 
money talking or just the fact that they have had enough of losing their best young players to the academy, but they've decided to terminate the academy and move into just extra training sessions for players who want to um, get extra training sessions. Uh, that basically means that there's no direct, there's now no direct pathway from football in Canberra to Canberra United um, in terms of the academy. Also means that they've <clears throat> they've lost an extra club in MPLW. Um, there was some scuttlebutt that the club was looking at moving into New South Wales um, next year, but that obviously is now not going to be happening. And there have been people coming out from the chairman of uh, Canberra, uh, sorry, Capital Football, Ivan Slovich, saying that he's going to resign if the decision isn't reversed. Parents being told that they were not told about this until after the announcement was made. Um, it's all a bit of a mess um, and it's all of their own doing. Um, they've put set fire to something that was working very well. Uh, just, yeah, kind of cutting off their nose despite their face, unfortunately. But more on that when more becomes uh, available. I will be wondering whether there will be some uh, potentially more articles coming out around that in the next couple of I, weeks. I would think it was a certainty, especially because uh, thinking about this, um uh, head of the women's football coverage for Optus Sport, Isabel Coots is from Canberra. So that's mm-hmm. one media outlet with a very, at least with a very strong interest in what's going on. Yeah. Right, for, for the uh, kind of for the newer fans to football in this country, I'm um, just off the top of my head. Who's come through Canberra United Academy? So Grace Mara, I assume? You'd think so. Uh, she came through prior to, so she oh. started in the 2014 grand final. So she was oh, so just too... after, okay. she's just okay. before the, the academy, but okay, Carly so Rossbacken, the Grove sisters, Laura Hughes, uh, Laura Hughes, Ilyoski, yep. um, uh, Chloe Lincoln, Sally James, yep. the goalkeeping trio yep. of, yeah, those, those players, Hayley Taylor Young. Yes. Um, there's been a bunch of players that have come through and have either moved to have gone from there. Claire Hunt, I believe as well, because mm. she was a, she was a, uh, coming from Grenfell to play in Canberra. Uh, there's been a, yeah, as I said, there's been a bunch of players who are not necessarily just, in Canberra, but in kind of south, southern New South Wales, who wouldn't have wanted to travel all the way to Sydney for an NPL mm-hmm. uh, or an NTC kind of situation. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's a really sad situation in my opinion. Yeah, so... More on that as it comes to hand, yeah, but yeah. yes. Yes, uh, I, I actually I actually am looking forward to um, Stefan taking the long run on this issue. Yes. And he has also selected a Queen of the Week, so it's back to the NPL Capital Football Grand Final from a couple of years ago. Um, actually, this is, this. is I think she's another former Cambria United product, Maddie Whittle. She took some time out of football, but she's back and was uh, named the Julie Murray medal winner for best on ground in the grand final. So a great story for her returning to football. Then, of course, because I've had a fortnight to think about these, I'll just breeze through my four queens of the week. So um, Sienna Dale of Manly United fame uh, basically scored a match-winning double for the junior Matildas when they beat Vietnam 2-1 and then scored all four goals when Australia beat Bangladesh 4-0. So Isabella Preston of Football New South Wales Institute, but also the Philippines, scored the winner for the Philippines against Vietnam in the same qualification tournament. So that means the Philippines are going to the AFC Under-17 Championship for the very first time. Then uh, my third queen, Caitlin Hayes, made her international debut for the Republic of Ireland, one of their many grandparent rule players, got all the passports and all the paperwork done. And in her second game, she scored in... uh, 
the Republic of Ireland's win over Hungary. And a fourth one I decided to add after checking the Women's Nation League notes, uh, Haley Bugea of Malta and also somewhere in Serie A uh, Feminile. Sorry, Megan, I can't remember who she plays for. But she scored all three of Malta's goals during the recent international window. That's why they beat Latvia and Moldova. So, yeah, like, it's uh, good while hopefully they can all take this back to their respective clubs and uh, keep that momentum going. But, mm. yeah, it's a bit of a sad note with all that capital football stuff, but I think we had to uh, discuss oh, it. Oh, yeah. yeah. you know, I mean, Better to pull off the Band-Aid than yep. not. Yep. Yes. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but I, I, I couldn't do any better. Um, yeah, so that's that's uh, the pod title. There you go. Bit, better to pull off a Band-Aid than not. Then, <laughs> then ellipsis not. Yep, I'm happy with that. Excellent, good job. <laughs> Still better than anything I could come up with, even after doing the mm. pod for all this time. So yeah, I suppose that's it. So on behalf of Magella Card and Dale Roots, this is Eric Sabihano signing off for episode 167 of Beyond 90 podcast. Uh, wishing the listeners all the usual things: plenty of good vibes, great coffee, sick tattoos, and razzlers, and may your local pathways be protected by your state federations. See you next week. <laughs> Thank you.